This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our third edition of Defending the Kingdom. And, man, the feedback has been great. Uh, I've received a lot of feedback personally, so has Barbershop, uh, both on your reaction to social media, but also then in just personal conversations and in some traditional media. And so we're going to explore on this third edition of Defending the Kingdom actual defense because I get asked almost every day, that was our second one, our second edition was, what's Mahomes going to do for an encore? And then right after that, Barbershop, the follow-up is, what about Steve Spagnuolo? What's he going to do for the Chiefs defense? What does Spags bring to the defense? And you've got a unique perspective because you played for him. What if your experience with him, what do we got here? What, in your opinion, does Spags bring to the defense? Well, I think I have such a unique uh, point of view on this because not only do I know him as a coach as far as uh, – he was a DB coach when I was a linebacker, but then I come back in um, 2006 uh, as a linebacker back to the Eagles, and now he's, uh, you know, he's my coach. He's coaching the linebackers. Um, and then to see all the years as he's progressed on to be not only a defensive coordinator but a head coach, special assistant. Um, he's played in the big show, won the big show, um, and had you know, just so many coaches work under him all on you know, the tutelage. I've seen him as a student under Jim Johnson and also now as a teacher uh, teaching the other guys uh, his system. And so it's, it's just been a, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, a fabulous journey and trip to see him just continue to grow as a, a football mind um, in the NFL, 36 years of experience. That's, 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 that's amazing that anybody can uh, last anything that long, but continue to coach it with a passion and a purpose. I've watched him from afar, and I've admired him. And being head coach of the Rams, there was, there was some tough times for him. But we know it's a growing experience and had to help him because he did that after he coached you with Philly in 06. But watching him from afar, and I look specifically at his 2017, that's the year that the New York Giants beat, one of the two times they beat uh, New England in the Super Bowl, but I went back and looked at that team. People remember Tyree, uh, David Tyree's catching in his head, right? That's what they all remember that team for. But if you look at that team, they were a fifth wild card team to win the Super Bowl. 69 Chiefs were in there as well. But they caught fire in the playoffs. When you look at what Spag's defense did during the playoffs, he held the opponents to 14-17-20 and held Tom Brady to 14 points. That caught my attention. And then the way he coached up guys. Yeah, he had stars. He had Strahan that year. That was his last year. But guys like uh, O.C. Umanura mm. and people that he developed into stars, what about Spags in doing that? Take me what you got and then make something happen with it. Yeah, he also had a special linebacker that used to play for the Chiefs, right, that Kawika Mitchell. Yes, sir. Uh, so, to, you know, to take a guy who's actually I've been on the field with, Kawika is a uh, headstrong, uh, very smart, instinctual middle linebacker. Uh, hit everybody like a like a ton of bricks, <laughs> um, but there was there was coverage uh, liabilities there. There was things that you know we kind of felt like you know game in and game out uh, teams would game plan against um, the lack of uh, you know being excellent in pass coverage. Well, what do you do with that? Do you do you eliminate him being on the field, or do you create a package, create a defense that takes advantage of the man's assets, his strengths, 
and use that to empower him to be even a better uh, player on the field, to make him even more impactful. Show that athlete what his strengths are. Also show him what his weaknesses are and what he needs to protect, what he needs to prevent from happening. If it's an inside move by a running back, if it's um, change of direction, then tell him, hey, man, when, when this guy gets to a certain point in his route, you got to eliminate him. You got to take him off the map. You got to use your your hitting ability and your strength to go ahead and put that guy five yards under. And that's what he did with running backs. He knew that once they got past the line of scrimmage, uh, it was a loss for him. And so he never let running backs pass the line of scrimmage. He created um, some impact, some contact. He created the fight. He took the fight to them on their side of the line of scrimmage. And just that little tweak in what Kawika Mitchell did on the field is just a testament of how Steve Spagnuolo can take somebody who, uh, um, in our defense, you know, uh, certain uh, linebackers, uh, D linemen who maybe Bob Sutton didn't use or were, uh, was hesitant about using because of their uh, a couple of their weaknesses on the field. Um, Spags will be able to kind of uh, definitely break it down, let them know what you know what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, how they can be more impactful in helping this defense, this style of defense, and then hopefully that guy can take that and, and uh, just let let their uh, their abilities grow. Yeah, I like what you're saying there with Kuika Mitchell because, and this is. T- all respect to Kawika, loved him uh, when he was here with the Chiefs, but he's not going on the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What I remember about Spags' 07 uh, world champion team was they, they didn't light up the stats. If you look at it, they did lead the NFL in sacks with 52, but he took guys and made them better than people thought they were. I mean, there's some, yeah, there's the Strahans and Humaneuras, but there was a bunch of role guys. The other yeah. thing I remember about that team was he didn't go, well, that was a great secondary, but they were good. But all three levels were impactful. Like there wasn't a weakness that he had to cover up at one of those three. And so I think that's what he may bring to the Chiefs too, is that all three levels will improve to the point where the Chiefs need him to be to uh, take the next step. Anytime you have athletic playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, the last thing you want them to do is read and react. The last thing you want to do is make them passive. Make, uh, take away something. I mean, aggressiveness is, is one of the greatest assets to a defense. Um, we talk about, you know, Coach Spags, and we know that, you know, um, when I was with uh, Philadelphia, the D coordinator was Jim Johnson. And Jim was very aggressive. We had Bobby Taylor and Troy Vincent, Brian Dawkins, Jeremiah Trotter. We have all, we, um, uh, Javon Curse. We had all these guys that were just um, uh, very impactful, very aggressive nature guys. And instead of, uh, um, you know, sugaring it down and watering down and make them playing on their heels. He allowed them to uh, ignite their fire, ignite their emotions and their excitement, be aggressive downhill uh, players, dictate to the offense what we are going to allow them to do all four quarters of the defense, no matter what, no, uh, all four quarters of the game, no matter what the score was. And that was the attitude we took on the field from uh, opening kickoff through overtime, if it took. Um, just constantly understand that we are the aggressors in this defense. A couple things. This relates to the 2018 Chiefs of where Spags could help uh, going into 2019. One, and these are the two, and not Madden. Don't take it playing Madden with Mahomes. <laughs> this is Maddening, M-A-D-D-E-N-I-N-G. One was last in the NFL, the Chiefs, as good a season as they had. 54% of the runs on first down were for four-plus yards. About the same on the other downs, but the league average was 45%. Mm. Let's take that one first. How can Spags, what did you see? Maybe an unconventional way to stop the run, but at some point you have to at least mitigate the run. They can't sit there and get four to crack, particularly when they want to keep Mahomes off the field. That was last week's, uh, or the last time we did uh, Defending the King, and go back and listen to it. But how do you get teams 
slowed down, particularly on first down and running the ball? I mean, I like a philosophy of this being um, a big play orientated defense. Either we're going to start the drive by getting a tackle for loss, a sack, uh, a, a run for no gain, or we'll give up a you know a twelve yard out route or the first down off that first snap. Um, but what, what we aren't going to do is allow you to nickel and dime us on a 14, 15 play drive, um, take away six minutes of the clock. Um, because I mean, every minute that you allow the other team's offense to have the ball, that's one less minute Mahomes get to have the ball. That's one less possession. Our offense, which is one of the most explosives in the league, of having the opportunity to score. So um, I wouldn't say uh, throw uh, th- throw caution, throw throw winter, you know, th- th- just throw out the. Uh, crazy blitz, zero blitz every time. But there are ways that you can, I call it a run blitz game. You can you can run uh, certain blitzes that are great against interior runs. Every team wants the interior run in these three, four yards. Um, so they are ahead of the sticks. They create, you know, second and four, second and three scenarios, which, you know, work to their, their benefit to take shots down downfield. Well, if you can counter that with some great defensive calls, you can overload those interior gaps with run-stopping blitz that creates tackles for loss, tackles for no gain. That creates second and long, second and tens. Now it's a defensive time to get aggressive with the play calling and hopefully set up some third and longs. And last year, the third and longs also drove me to Advil and maybe something stronger. Just just take the New England game and the AFC Championship game. There were 13 of 19 on third down. And seven of the 13 conversions were third and greater than six. We're not going to go there. We could spend a whole show on that. But red zone, too. Where could Spags approve the red zone? Now, I'm going to give Bob Sutton credit. The Chiefs were the best in the NFL under Bob Sutton in red zone defense in 2014. They were fifth in the NFL in 2016. Last year, 31st. Only Tampa Bay was worse. 72% touchdowns in the red zone against the Chiefs. The league average was 59. Now, so teams were not only holding the ball, Mahomes can't get it, but once they got to the red zone, they were able to score. With Spags and his approach, what could he possibly do to improve the red zone defense, at least holding the field goals? Well, I think one of the primary things is you want to cut down on all the verbiage. You want to make it as simple as possible. It doesn't matter if the offense knows what you're doing once you get to the red zone. You only want to do a few things. Um, play, play a quarter zone. Um, there's a couple blitzes you do. But you want to make sure that every guy on the field, all 11, know exactly what they're doing against all offensive sets, um, all kind of variables in offense when it comes to the red zone. You know offense is only going to do a few things in the red zone because they want to make sure they at least get a field goal. Um, so you want to take away their primary stuff. Um, but it's more about knowing what you're doing on defense side of the ball. Make sure you have the right amount of leverage, um, the right attack angles, um, because you know that those uh, as the as the as the field shortens and you get from you know that that red zone area. Uh, to the green zone area, you start getting inside the 10-yard line, you can ask any quarterback when the field gets short, those windows start to shrink up. It's not as much room for them to work with. And they also want to be a little bit more cautious with the football, so they're not going to take as many chances uh, when it comes to making plays um, down in the red zone. So just get real, um, hone in on defensive assignment football. Make sure you're pretty sharp on your alignment and your assignment and take care of business um, in the red zone. The other thing is mentality here, too. I, I saw it in that 14 and 16 team, top five in the NFL in red zone defense under Bob Sutton. Was those, those guys, they're not in until they're in. They're not in. Exactly. They ain't getting in. We're not going to let them in. They ain't going to get in. So go kick a three, and we might block the field goal, but you ain't getting in. 
but the mentality that I think it can bring, and I've been seeing that on the practice field, even as sublime way maybe, mm-hmm. of of building that edge to saying red zone defense is no, you ain't going to get across the line. Yeah, they're going. It's on field leadership builds that confidence, like you're talking about, that trust in one another that you're going to be where you're supposed to be exactly at the time you're supposed to be. The pressure's going to be there. I can play the inside. Um, heavy and, and that bite on anything on the outside, um, make the ball get thrown where we know it's going to get thrown to, to the flats, to the outs, and then have, know that you're going to have such uh, relentless su- su- pursuit after the football that you're not worried about missing a tackle. The last thing you need to worry about on defense when you have great pursuit is missing a tackle because you got 10 other guys going to be there before that guy can make one yard. Uh, so you, you shoot your guns. You go ahead and give it your best shot, um, but you play with a lot of confidence and, some, and a, you know, a little bit of swag. Let's talk about the swag that's on this defensive staff. We enter the second quarter here, um, and that deals with the staff that Spags was able to recruit here to Kansas City. We're going to start on the defensive line. Brandon Daly, Super Bowl champion, multi-time with New England on the defensive line. Also has some Chiefs Kingdom ties. Played at Drake. Um, he was also in the Illinois State staff. He's coached in the Midwest. But I watched him coach guys in New England like Trey Flowers, Dietrich Wise. I mean, he made – so it goes back to the point we made a couple paragraphs ago. I saw him on the defensive line with New England take guys that seemed like guys mm-hmm. and made them players. What about the mentality he's bringing to the defensive line? Oh, man, four Super Bowls, five AFC championship games, just a, a, a ton of experience. And when you have young guys in the league, you have young guys that are maybe a little bit unsure about what their impact on the NFL is going to be. You get a guy like Brendan Daly in front of him and a guy who's been there, done that. He's been at the top of the mountain. He knows what it means to be a Super Bowl winner. He can bring that championship air and swagger to a a meeting room. And when he tells you, hey, young man, you're great at getting on the edge. You're great with your hands. But what you need to worry about is your lower half. At that point, once it comes out of his mouth, that athlete takes it and it becomes in his heart. And he will work on that lower half to make, make himself the best player as possible. Before, you know, when, when you don't have that type of championship uh, demeanor and you don't have that pedigree like you came from a champion and you're just telling the guy what he should do, well, then you give him an option. You give him a choice. Do I know better? I've, I, I've, I've got to the NFL doing things a certain way. I've, I've, I've been able to uh, play with just my hands and not my lower half. Am I really going to believe this coach? Like, like, who is he? But, but man, Brendan, he brings so much, uh, like we say, that, that championship demeanor and that leadership to the, uh, not only the classroom, but to the practice field. I think those guys just from day one have to buy into what he's selling. And I'm telling you, the, the acetylene torch is open with this guy. We go to St. Joe. If you watch camp, go make sure you go to the defensive line when they're in individuals and watch this guy. What he's doing, Derek Nottie, we can, Xavier Williams and others. And of course, he's going to have Frank Clark under his tutelage, too, and, and Alex Okafor. All right, Matt House, they bring him in from Kentucky, defensive coordinator, so the college game. But he was with Spags with the Rams in 09 to 11. So he's got the NFL experience. But. With the linebackers in the four three defense, uh, and having a college influence right mm-hmm. now is probably good in the National Football League. Britt Reed, also coach's son, is helping him with the linebackers. But I like the fact, Barbershop, that we got a little college flavor in the middle of this defense. Well, Matt House has been so widely regarded and respected across the league. If it wasn't with us, he would have got a job someplace else. Uh, <laughs> somebody else would have scooped him up in a heartbeat. Um, but that's Spags recruiting him definitely. and wanting to be with an Andy Reid team. And knowing that, that they had a history together, um, it, it's going to be a smooth transition to working here with Coach Spags because of the history with the Rams. Um he, he just got that mentality, like you're saying, from a college aspect, they have to do a lot of communication. 
They have to find different ways to communicate. Um, you have to find different levels of knowing how to be a teacher on and off the field. We, uh, we can't speak about that enough, how important it is for these coaches to be teachers. Um, when I grew up, obviously uh, two decades ago, um, being a young player in the NFL, um, I had coaches that were more involved in being like a fire and brimstone. It was the, um, I coach you and you do it, you do it my way because I said it. It's my way or the highway. I don't need to tell you why you're doing it. You just do it the way I say to do it. And for a young guy trying to learn the game of football, um, it, it was either do it <laughs> or hit the bricks. But now guys are so invested on the why. Why am I doing this? Why is the philosophy this way? Why are we doing this from a pressure standpoint, from a coverage standpoint? Um, why is it from a game situation? What, what is the benefit of doing it this way or that way? And so these coaches have to be great teachers. And I think that's what a coach like Matt House, he brings that teaching aspect uh, almost to an infinite degree. DBs, David Merritt, been in the league for 14 seasons, three years with SPAG, had the uh, twice world champions. He was on the 11 team that beat the uh, New England Patriots, weren't supposed to. And then I've noticed Sam Addison back there too. People remember him. Oh, that's the Dolphins dude uh, that was a good player for Miami. This is the group that I think will get a lot of scrutiny, or at least under the microscope, particularly the stats that we've given on third and long, can you get off the field? Can you make plays back there? I haven't been around David Merritt a lot, but the times I have, there is a certain polish to him. He, he, uh, there's something to him that's impressive of like an, okay, this dude gets it. I, I'm fired up to see the way he's going to approach the DBs. Yeah, he talks to the DBs like men. He treats them like grown men. Hey, guys, we have, you know, we have 10 different techniques you're going to have to learn to play this position at a high level. And you're going to be responsible playing all of them at a high level. We use all these 10 techniques throughout you know, all 100 different calls. If you can master these techniques, you'll be an all-pro at this defense. You'll play it on high level at this defense. You'll demand you have playing time on this defense. And if you can't, then we're going to have to search for somebody who can play these techniques because we know this technique can win championships. And that's the great thing about this, this coaching staff when you bring them together. They all have championship demeanor. They have championships in their pedigree, their DNA. They know what it takes to beat the best. They know what it takes to beat the Patriots. They know what it takes to make a wild card run into a world championship team. The type of leadership, the type of attitude, the type of uh, just that dog mentality to get from a, a, a preseason to build it during the season. No matter how the season goes, you just want a, a shot at the playoffs. And then once you get to the playoffs, it's do or die. And having that type of experience as coaching staffs, the leaderships, the teachers, uh, to take this team and mold them um, and have that team grow into what is going to be the, uh, the defense of this kingdom, uh, this Kansas City Chiefs 2019 season is so exciting for me. And that's not to say that uh, Sam Madison isn't going to play his part. Um, he's played the game at a high level for 12 years. 12 seasons in the NFL at a cornerback position is something uh, that's far and few between. You don't find many guys mm-hmm. that survive that long on the island. Fighter pilots. And you know those DBs, they, they live on the island. They don't get talked too much, but uh, when they get exposed, it's, it's on national TV. And when they make big plays, it's on national TV. So he's used to having uh, that spotlight on him, having that fire on him, and having that pressure on him. And so I think that you know uh, he's going to do his job of getting those corners uh, a, a little bit of a, a little bit of veteran savvy to let them uh, play beyond their abilities um, on and off the field. Okay, quick halftime here. You know in the NFL it's only twelve minute halftime, so you go to the bathroom, you get an orange. Ours is one second one. There you go. Hope you went to the bathroom, had an orange, <laughs> or you hit pause. Um, but now we're going to go quickly to the third quarter. But you touched on a nerve now, man. You're hitting the nerves. That's what I like about you. Uh, you're a barber, not a dentist, but you're hitting nerves. 
But that is one thing I've noticed this spring and summer of watching this defensive staff and Spags. You mentioned scheme. You mentioned technique. You mentioned teaching. A lot of coaches say they have attention to detail, but honestly, the great ones do. It's why Andy's so good, because it takes patience and more work. Like it's, it's like you're trying to like, nope, that's not going to work. We're going to paint this totally different here. What about what you've noticed with Spags and his defense and the fact that they truly have an attention to detail? If I'm playing a cloud technique as a defensive back, that means this minute step, this look, this is the way we get them off the field. If I'm playing press, if I'm playing off, if I'm playing man zone combo. Um, but I've noticed that in these guys. One, they've got the attention to detail themselves to teach attention mm-hmm. to detail. What from, are you seeing? From communication, trust, and buy-in. Those are the things that Coach Spagnola is going to ask his t- defense to do. Every level of the defense. From a secondary standpoint, if you don't communicate, if you don't know when they're doing bunch motion versus spread motion, when they zoom in, zoom across, uh, wide receivers go across the formation, all those things are going to affect your technique. They're going to affect your alignment. They're going to affect your assignment. And then it's going to affect how you uh, complete your task. And to really know the nuances of the defense, you can't just learn alignment assignment. You have to know the why. Why are we doing this? Why am I hanging so heavy inside? Why do you want me to jam outside? Why am I lined up straight down the middle to cause confusion for the receiver in the route? Why am I jamming and rerouting um, on a third and 11 versus a third and six? What is the purpose behind that? When you don't trust that an athlete has the ability to do certain things, you just want him to line up and do it. Hey, hey, this this is how we're doing it. Just line up and do it. Uh, it's it, it's the way the defense is being called. It's it's why you're doing it. You find different coaches coaching that way. You you, you know you do it because I said so. But when you really trust somebody and you're not willing and, and you're willing to open up the playbook, open up the philosophy, and let them know on film, let them know using teaching tape, let them know from repetition, and then doing something that Coach Spags does that you rarely see, pulling guys out of drills on a one-on-one, fine-tuning those details and talking to guys. This right here, these five minutes are more important than what we're doing in team. This five minutes is what more important than what we're doing individual because I see something in you and I want to make sure you know exactly why we're doing every, uh, every little detail and everything we're doing with the defense. I want to make sure you really know what you know. And he'll ask you things. He'll ask you, what's your responsibility in this? What are you attacking in this? What is your eyes on this who is your eye are you training your eyes to be in the right place all these little things to make you the best you can be at your position to make that defense successful I've been fascinated by this tutoring that he's done and he takes like a different guy from a different part of the defense every session Mm -hmm. so this would be the analogy of you getting called to the principal's office and you're like oh crud what did I do or and then you go to the principal's office and he helps you with your geometry yeah that's what this is. It is. It is like you saying. It's, it's the principal calling you out of history class. Yeah. And you think you're in I, trouble. I know you're struggling with geometry, but let me show you this. Yeah. And, and you're like, the principal's helping me with geometry? He saw something in you. He, he wants you to be the best student as possible. And so instead of, instead of uh, just letting it go and saying, okay, I'm going to let the coach handle that. No, no. I, I've, I've witnessed this. I see it. I think this guy is hesitating because he doesn't know exactly why he's doing it. So instead of instead of waiting until the next coaching teaching moment, to, instead of letting a, uh, a position coach get to him, he speaks to you directly. I developed this defense, and the reason I put you in this position, and I want your hands placed here, and I want your eyes here, is because the goal is to create this. 
hesitation in the offensive coordinator, hesitation in the quarterback, for him to have a, a, a hesitate for one more second where to deliver the ball because we got a free hitter coming. Mm-hmm. We got somebody coming to, to uh, create habit on this quarterback, but we need you to create a little bit of hesitation. So I can't have you just fully uh, buzzing out to the flat. I can't have you just take away this curl route. I need you to play with him a little bit. I need you to uh, um, show him that you got this, but then hedge towards that. That little bit of hesitation is what creates sacks in those big moments that wins ball games. I want to ask him this, and I'm not asking this. I'll ask him this in St. Joe. I think he does it, too, for a couple reasons. One, he gives a message to his defense. He's talking to his defense and not just in the defensive team room when everybody's together and you're breaking down tape, right? He's, he's showing everybody in the defense that they matter to him individually. That's mm-hmm. one. Two, I almost have a theory that he does it for himself. He wants to stay fresh and sharp. He wants to teach. And so it is a way he keeps honing his own skill – so I've been fascinated by it to see him do it. And it's like, well, he's not always with the DBs because some defensive coordinators were DBs, right, or they're DB coaches, or some are the linebackers or DLs. He's picking somebody every day. I just uh, I find it very interesting. I want to ask him about that when we get to St. Joe. All right, fourth quarter, and that has to deal with uh, a blending here because everybody's excited about the new – Guys that have been added, whether it's Frank Clark or the Honey Badger. We talk about Alex Okafor, Darren Lee. I'm going to leave somebody out here, uh, Brashad Breeland. But then you have to blend them with the guys that are returning, uh, guys that you're counting on taking the next step, whether that's Kendall Fuller or whether that's the, the other safety group like uh, Daniel Sorensen um, or down the line Jordan Lucas or, or up front with the other defensive guys or the linebackers that maybe a Dorian O'Daniel comes into play here. The blending of the old and new and the challenge that's there for the defensive staff. You've lived this life. I'm curious to see what will happen with that blending. I, mean, I just hope the guys are up to the challenge. Um, as a player, you know, when I entered the Eagles in 02, I was entering a staff, uh, a team that was already on the championship level. I was coming from the Washington Redskins. Our defense, I think, was ranked 30th that season uh, after the 2001 season. Um uh, so I go to Philadelphia, and I'm getting to play with uh, this name recognition, the Brian Dawkins, the Troy Vincents, the uh, Jeremiah Trot. I, I get to play. I'm playing with some of the guys that I know are playing at the highest level. But I do my research about Coach Jim Johnson. I, I realize this, this this defense we're playing is one of the most aggressive deep. So you got to be willing to kind of let it hang. you got to be ready willing at all, at any point, make that big pick six, make that play. Um, you're, buzzing, you're buzzing seam routes. You're running with tight ends. You're running with linebackers with uh, wide receivers in the slot. Uh, to be a wide out and a slot receiver and to be manned up with the linebacker, you start to salivate. That, 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 that's supposed to be a, a win for the offense. But the tools that they gave us as a linebacker to play the slot, knowing that you only had to take away a handful of routes because you were getting help from somebody else, uh, a safety kind of hanging down uh, in a robber position. He's going to rob the middle. So I could act like I was inside technique, uh, shoot the shoulder, then buzz outside corner, and now I'm just running top side with a receiver down the uh, seam. Um, knowing that you had you know, some, 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 some different tools and techniques in your tool bay, uh, to make that what the offensive thought was an easy win, now make them hold the ball and go someplace else. And when that sack happens, when you're the linebacker and you're covering a slot and he has to check, check, and he holds it to go to another receiver, and now he gets sacked, and you realize your coverage caused that sack, that is so rewarding for a guy who's supposed to be in the position of a disadvantage. 
but that aggressiveness up up uh, uh, rerouting at the line of scrimmage, that aggressiveness just from a defensive mentality when the offensive coordinator has to know we're bringing seven, we're bringing eight, we might be bringing nine, um, and not knowing where that you know those extra hitters are coming from, and you see the uh, the hesitation in the quarterback of what check to make. Does he want to check out of it? Are we really coming or not? I, it gets it gets my juices flowing to see that, and we talk about the the old with the new. Um, it was just so many times last year when uh, you just you just felt there was there was there was too much momentum being uh, given to the other team's opponent, uh, to our opponents. The other team's offense at, at some of the most inoperable times of the game were given uh, big runs, big conversions. It, it, you you wanted to really go after that quarterback, but you saw that we won't going after him, and they uh, created like you said, we saw some third and longs created um, in, that, in that you know that championship game. Did you just whether they got it or not? We just want, we just needed some type of attitude adjustment to put a little bit of fear in that opponent quarterback that we that we might bring the house, yeah. that we might do whatever needed to do to get to you. We were going to do it. Um, and it and, took some propane out of the tank when all the whole place is going crazy. Um, one thing I've noticed with this staff, too, and it's just something to think about and get your reaction. A lot of coaches, when they come from someplace else, bring their guys that they had before. Mm-hmm. All right. They're comfortable with it. They know what they've got with the guy and it and it's, gives them a level of comfort. But it also puts them. Well, sometimes it usually it does not work, or they'll bring too many guys. All right, look, think about this. Oak Fork Saints, none of these guys coached him. Frank Clark, Seattle, none of these guys coached him. Daly didn't, House didn't. I mean, Merritt didn't. I'm looking at Brashad Breland. Nope, uh, they didn't coach him. Honey Badger, he was with Houston and in, in Arizona, and when Merritt was at Arizona, Honey Badger was gone. So nope, they didn't. Co- so the dynamic here of these guys are secure enough in who they are as coaches is I don't need to go get the guys that I coach for five years at brand X mm-hmm. and bring them in. I've got ability. I have faith in my ability. I can coach up the guys that are here and I'll bring in these new guys and I'll coach them even though I don't know them that well. And you know, the funny thing about that is when I was uh, doing some scouting internship, uh, I did, I did an internship where I worked for the Eagles and when I worked for the Jets um, and both times when I was in uh, Indianapolis at the combine, I had a chance to sit with somebody in the stands watching guys work out, watching the college guys worked out. It was Coach Spagnola. Even even when he was a coordinator or a position coach or a special assistant, he still took time to go to Indianapolis to find nuances about these upcoming guys. So he might have never coached these guys, but you believe me, I mean, believe you me, he has a <laughs> thick notebook of notes of what the guys' uh, abilities, attributes, um, what their strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, before we uh, brought him to the kingdom, he already had an idea of how they were going to fit in and how he was going to use them. Um, and and that, that level of commitment to even when um, you're not the guy making the call on who's going to be uh, drafted, who's going to be added to your team, but you wanted to make sure you got your eye on everybody coming into the league because you know that at some point you might cross that guy's path. That, that's going to pay dividends. Uh, and you don't find every coordinator that wants to spend the time because they have to prepare. They're preparing for the upcoming season. They don't have time to go to Indy to f- find out about these young rookies that might make the team, might not make the team. They just want to know, hey, who we drafted, get them to me, and let me use them. But he, he took time out to, to create a, 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 a portfolio about all the guys coming out each and every year. Um, so that's why, I, that's why I'm so um, confident in this defense. Uh, because he, he might not have coached these guys that we've added to the to the team or that was already here, but this is not the first time he's seen them. 
You know who else was like that? Andy Reid. I'll go through personnel of the of the game that week and say, you know, what about Barber? And he'll go, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I remember when I saw him in college, he, so he's the same dude. Like he has that same fervor for finding out he may not ever play for us, but he might. And that's he right. may play against us, but I want to know. And so that's the cool thing about Spags is he's bringing kind of an Andy Reedness to the defense. Yes, thing. indeed. And I've noticed that. And then the ripple effect. All right, that does it here for this edition of Defending the Kingdom. We're actually talking about defense. But we're going to close it real quickly. Barbershop, I just think this is the most underrated part of the Chiefs team outside in. Like everybody else, inside the kingdom, again, they're asking the question, what, what now, what now? But outside the kingdom, they're thinking – the Chiefs just aren't going to be very good on defense. I just think this will be the biggest surprise, one of the biggest surprises of the NFL season is how good this Chiefs defense will be. With everybody following us, I just want to take a couple minutes, a couple moments to talk about uh, Coach Spagnola has with his beautiful wife, the Spagnola Foundation. Um, and that gives hopes to youth that do not have the chance or the opportunity to achieve and, 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 and pursue their dreams. That's a simple mission statement, but it can be impactful and it can be uh, implemented to so many different um, different parts of the kingdom. Um, if you have an opportunity to look that up and show some support for that, uh, when, when Maria gets to town, um, her, her and Coach Spags would definitely be finding uh, some local organization to kind of uh, interact with. But uh, that was something that they that every every team she she's gone to with him, they've made a, a, a such a dramatic impact on the Urban League and the Urban Youth. So I just wanted to definitely uh, let our followers know about that. And you and I both know that the Chiefs Kingdom is the perfect potting soil for something like that. You plant it and it grows. People want to be uh, involved in those causes. We're excited. Steve Spagnuolo and his defensive staff are here uh, as the Chiefs get ready for training camp. We're going to do this one more time before training camp. We might jump in look at special teams and some things that are on our checklist as we get ready for St. Joe. All right, Barbershop we got three in the books, and here we go. Training camp is that much closer, my friend. Excited, excited about it. Let's do it, baby. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs Official Podcast Network. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.